It is 6.34 p.m. and I'd like to call the HCDC meeting to order. Uh, moving straight to agenda item number two. Uh, we <coughs> some exciting news. We have the uh, privilege to have Mayor Teague introduce the City of Iowa City's new FY23 to FY28 strategic plan. All right, well, super excited to be here with you all tonight, HCDC. Um, want to uh, extend a, uh, the council's gratitude for all the hard work that you do. We see it, <laughs> we know that it's no easy task. Um, and what we're gonna talk about is the city's strategic plan and uh, if, if I'm going through, the, through this uh, process and presentation and you have questions, just stop. We're not on a strict time, uh, although you do know that I can keep people in a meeting until 1 a.m. So, <laughs> so you might want to make sure that we that I don't talk too much. But um, our strategic plan, the, the city of Iowa City, we really started this process. I want to say um, in January when we started talking about our budget, we knew that uh, of 2022, um, when we started talking about our budget, um, and it wasn't until December when we finally, you know, gave it a, a thumbs up of approval. Um, that process was interesting because there's a lot to trying to figure out what do we want to put in a five-year plan um, six year if you kind of you know think about uh, when it was actually approved so I'm gonna just kind of jump right in there and um, just uh, give you an overview of you know what this is and um, is the introduction and environmental scan our strategic values our strategic impact areas and action steps, resources, and how we get it done. So that's what we're gonna talk about uh, through this presentation. But there are some challenges uh, when we went through this, um, this process that we identified, as well as some opportunities. So we all know that COVID happened, right? So coming out of COVID, there are some definite impacts on uh, people finances, um, uh, also, what's happening at the city level, um, there's some COVID impacts as well. Many people know staffing, the workforce is an issue. Uh, across the board, we're feeling it. We know that social service uh, aid providers that you all talk to, they feel those uh, challenges as well. And so these are some of the things that were identified. Um, now there are some significant influx of funding opportunities through the federal government, uh, which we recognize. And so we wanna try to take advantage of those. One thing that we did um, this fiscal year is we hired what I'll call as a, um, a, uh, a grant writer specialist. So we put it in the budget. And uh, so we're gonna be advertising for that individual to come and be a part of this team because there are some opportunities out there that we kind of need somebody to do the leg and the, and, and the footwork to bring those opportunities here to our community. But we saw a lot of challenges. The state uh, property tax reform, we're still waiting for the final word uh, on how that looks. Those funds do impact us as a city. Um, it impacts even the school district. And so how do we make up some of that loss revenue and still meet the strategic goals of this uh, community. I know that you all see the needs firsthand. You have some great projects that come that you want to fund 100% of all of them, as uh, I was just told. But there's a challenge, right? Uh, th there isn't always enough money to meet those needs. And so when we went through this process, we certainly um, identified some of those challenges and also identified some opportunities, which uh, was good. Our community is growing, um, and we anticipate that growth will continue. Um, and how do we make sure that we capture it in the best way? And so this plan really does help us set the stage for our next uh, level levels within our community. Um, so Peter Drunker said, the best way to predict your future is to create it. Um, and so the city had to ask ourselves, why? <laughs> um, 
you know, this, why this strategic plan? And then we also had to ask how. Um, what do you want in it? And so you'll see the three different colors, which I'll talk about in a second, but one of the whys is how our strategic plan provides us a, a guided document which really does lay out our priorities uh, for the next six years uh, in a transparent and accountable way. Um, and we're really stating clearly what our priorities are and how we can align our time, our budget, our resources with these priorities to make sure that we're moving forward with the vision of Iowa City's future uh, at the forefront. And then what we know is not everything is within our strategic plan. Uh, it's just not possible, but the bulk of our work will still probably be in the same order uh, to provide essential city services, but the vision and the values and the plan should inform us how we carry out our work and frame our decision making. The how of our strategic plan has three distinct components. You'll see the light green uh, is the values and then the blue is the impact statement and the, the dark green is the resources. And so the, the values, you see partnerships, engagement, climate action, racial uh, equity, social justice, and human rights all right there. Uh, this is the lens in which we will approach our work um, as well as our desired end state. Um, these values should be familiar to many of you through what you do. Our values should be embodied in every element of, uh, of this strategic plan and our day-to-day -day work. The impact areas, which are in the light blue, or um, some might call it teal, um, I don't know, maybe I'm colorblind. Um, but this one here, the impact area, is really the housing, mobility, economy, safety, and well-being. This is how do we see uh, the mission really fulfilled? Um, and it also represents kind of the focus of our, of, of the gov of our government. Um, this is where we'll collaborate to uh, move our community forward through new um, partnerships and new and existing uh, strategies um, every step of the way. And then the last one is the resources. And this is kind of the building blocks um, that, will, that will be needed to support. This would include facilities, equipment, uh, the hands and the feet, the staff to make this all work. So we'll talk about values for a little bit. And um, as you see, there's three values that are here, uh, racial equity, social justice, and human rights, climate action, partnerships and engagement. And I want to jump right over to um, really that racial equity, uh, social justice, and human rights. So as you see here, there are a few examples of what our city uh, will look like if we were successful in carrying out our vision for racial equity, social justice, and human rights. So, so for one example, uh, we, we identified um, our community celebrates and welcomes cultural diversity. There's a lot of things we're doing now uh, throughout the community. Um, I've been very impressed to see, um, like our Asian community, um, and some of their celebrations that they've been doing in our in our downtown, I call it the living room of our community. We know that uh, Latino Fest happens every year, and that is a big, big bang. Uh, we know Juneteenth is also now a city holiday. And so as we're seeing a lot of um, diversity and celebrations with our community, we know that there is more to also be captured and celebrated. So. Um, and another example that is here, every resident understands how systemic inequities have disadvantaged some populations and have uh, skills to disrupt biases. And so uh, it's just uh, some things that we identified that we really do believe if we can keep this in the forefront of our mind, um, we can reach these goals as a community. The next one is climate action. 
Um, how will we know if we've achieved our vision for it? We do uh, have a Climate Action Commission. There's 11 commissioners that do hard work that, uh, just like yourselves, they um, are experts in the world of climate action and they make recommendations to the, uh, to the council. And so we love those, um, that structure um, to bring experts and um, some are lay folk, because I think lay folk uh, are important in this too, the people that uh, don't really know all about climate action, but they kind of know uh, how it will affect themselves and can speak to that. And so when we look at this, you know, we say, how will we know that we've achieved it? And so the first one talks about the world looks uh, to Iowa City to copy our innovati innovative carbon reduction strategies. Well, I will even say that the uh, cities in the, in the state of Iowa will even do that. Um, I, we are very um, bold in our statements. Um, they still have to become a reality, which takes everyone in our community to make that a reality. Um, one of the biggest things that we know is that uh, individual homes will make a huge impact in climate action. And so we have to make sure that we get out there and educate folks. And so as we're looking at how to achieve this, you know, these are the things residents choose to take climate actions, such as riding the bus, shopping locally, and conserving energy. We have to ensure that people in the community know that they can be a part of achieving this goal. And then how will we know when we've achieved partnerships and engagement? Um, so again, there are a few examples here that the city um, looked that we believe that we'll know when this has uh, been achieved. So every resident is routinely reached by the city in a way that aligns with their preferred method of communication. We know that there's a lot of ways to communicate these days. There are um, all types of platforms that you can purchase as a municipal body uh, that can reach residents. And so as we are um, going through this process, we're just wanting to make sure that we're doing our best to be intentional at meeting and uh, making sure that we have partnerships and engagement. I think the work that you all do as a commission, certainly you all are ensuring that some of these partnerships have the support, uh, can be viable, um, in order to for this strategic plan to really meet uh, the needs of our community. And then what are some of the examples of how you all can carry out this work? Um, I, I, I know that you have a meeting, uh, that you still have to conduct some businesses, but I just want to pose that question without um, really getting into the, the discussion at this point. But I do want you to walk away uh, from this uh, presentation to think about some of the ways that in your work that you do, um, how our strategic plan, which is your strategic plan, this is the city's strategic plan, um, how it really does uh, illuminate through what you do. Um, and so just think about that. Well, certainly, I think you all have uh, a packet um, of the strategic plan. And so as you're doing this, I, I, one thing I do, um, and we just got this nifty little notebook that has uh, just our, our values and just the mission statement. Um, and when I'm looking at policy, I kind of bring it out and say, hey, I got to you know, refer to this as a guiding document. Um, which does help guide our decisions, especially when we're looking at some complex things. And some things that uh, we get presented with um, as a council, I go to that document and say, hey, where does it fit in here? And if it doesn't really fit in here right now as a priority, uh, it's not that it's not something that we should focus on, but we have, a, we have set the roadmap for what we're going to do within five years. So the impact areas and action steps. Um, so there are four. So neighborhood and housing, mobility, economy, uh, safety and well-being. So when we go, and, and we're going to hit some of those, so uh, I'll, I'll go back to the slide uh, individually. 
Um, so when we look at these impact areas uh, within the strategic plan, it's broken down into three sections, vision, strategy, and action steps. So the vision is the why. Why do we do um, what we do and the type of community that we aspire to be? And then the strategy is the what. Um, the what of the top priorities we will focus on in order to move our community forward. Um, and that's where, as I just mentioned, that's where we can get distracted a little bit um, because there's a lot of needs. You all, you know, you all see a lot of needs and then you try to prioritize um, based on what you're sensing is gonna be the greatest uh, impact that you all can make. Um, and so we're doing the same thing where we have to really, you know, narrow our focus and keep it in line with our strategic plan. And then the action steps, that's the how of, um, you know, the specific projects we will implement uh, within these next uh, few years. Uh, many of you know we have ARPA dollars, which has been phenomenal. The city got 18.3 million, and we've been doing some great, um, we've been taking some uh, bold uh, steps with those funds to really, really make an impact. Um, and so I think that is something that uh, we're very appreciative for now, but beyond the ARPA funds, we still have to make sure that we can uh, make some impacts. So neighborhoods and housing, um, I know that uh, you all are champions when it comes down to, uh, I wanna say what's happening, um, the support services that are happening within the community. I mean, you all deal with housing um, all the time. How do you, you know, make some recommendations so that we can have affordable housing? Um, and uh, neighborhoods, we, we have our Parks and Rec uh, Commission that does a lot of um, work on neighborhoods, although you all also touch uh, neighborhoods in a direct and indirect way. Um, so this is how uh, we know that we want to make sure that our uh, strategic plan has impact uh, within the neighborhoods. Permanent affordable housing is very essential, is, is needed. Um, how do we get there? Um, and we want to make sure that uh, people have choices in the housing that they will like to live in and also the neighborhoods that they would like to live in. And we know that that becomes a little hard. Um, Iowa City is not the easiest and the cheapest place to live in. I know you all hear that all the time. I know it. Yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not the easiest. Um, and property taxes, you know, um, they're real, they're expensive. And so, uh, but how do we make sure that we are doing this in a strategic way um, where that we're seeing the impact. We're seeing the impact. Which means that the council has to, in my opinion, uh, well, it actually, it's not even in my opinion, we stated it. We want to be bold. We want to take bold actions in, towards affordable housing within our community. Another impact area is mobility. Now, there's all types of mobilities. You can, uh, scooters, um, uh, uh, but bicycles, we have uh, a busing, busing system, which is great. We actually have um, a couple. We have camp, well, we don't as a city, but there's CAM bus, um, and we also have seats. Um, and so there's a lot of modes of uh, uh, transportation as well as vehicles. We know that there's this um, move towards more um, electric vehicles. Um, and I think we're going to continue to see that um, throughout our nation. There are some car dealerships uh, that are already saying by 2025, um, uh, some car dealerships have to be ready to just sell all EV vehicles. So I think we're going to see a, a huge shift in vehicles um, in the more recent years to come. Um, this is not touch screen. Oh, there's my little mouse. Wait a minute. My mouse. There it is. Yes. And then safety and well-being. 
Um, so this is another impact area. Uh, mental health and physical well-being um, is something that we've been hearing about. Um, I want to say is really heightened um, from the community verbiage. Uh, I want to say within the past five to six years. Um, but I know that in our community, this has been uh, a, a conversation that's, that has been happening by more of the experts that have sat around the table. Um, and one of the evidence of, of this work is the Guidelink Center. Um, and that was a 10-year-plus project. I know that uh, Becky Redis, uh, Commissioner Redis, was a part of that conversation um, and also was a part of um, community crisis, um, community crisis services. And I tell my story all the time at how valuable community crisis is, especially for individuals that are in the middle of a mental crisis. I have my own story. I'll save you all that today. But the work that um, these mental health professionals do, I think, is a little underestimated on at, at times um, within our community. But it really is saving folks' lives. And so, and giving, giving people hope. Um, sometimes it's not even suicidal thoughts that people have, but just giving them hope to achieve some of the things that they kind of don't feel the energy to achieve. And just having those conversations and making, um, and, and, and giving, I, I just want to say giving people hope. That's what uh, those mental health professionals uh, do. And so, and, and so what are, the, you know, so again, this is an impact area that we believe that we want to see if this is the evidence uh, that we're going to uh, want to uh, impact uh, within our community. Resources, um, I, I think we're going to see, um, go to the next slide. Um, resources are, yeah, I want to, there's really three uh, that, we, that we're going to focus on. It's the facilities and equipment and technology. You know, if we want to um, be able to ensure that people get reached in the community by their preferred communication style, we're going to have to make some investments to make sure that we can do that. Um, facilities, um, I can tell you that we just went through a parks and rec um, uh, study. And we know that there is a lot of folks that have comments on what they want to see in facilities. And we also know that there is a next generation to come and, and a larger um, population to come. And how are we going to meet those needs? We're, we're starting to grow a little bit on our edges. And so when we're talking about mobility and, um, and making this a walkable city, uh, you want to make sure that there are certain amenities within 15 minutes of someone, and 15 minute walkable uh, distance of someone. And so um, that's going to take um, some real strategy as well as some moolah to make sure that we can achieve those. and then. Another resource is people. So the, the, you know, the city staff can only do so much. It, we really do have to rely on the people in this room and all the people in our community. Um, and I think we really need to make sure that we are getting people engaged. Um, and when they're engaged, you want to make sure that you have a smile on your face, welcoming folks, and that they feel in, that it, it feels like an inclusive space, that they can share uh, their ideas, and I think one of the greatest things is when you can get different type folks in the room, um, and you probably see this here, you all have your own different lens uh, when you come and you're making decisions, um, where it is great to hear a different perspective. I think it should be welcomed. Um, and so that's the same thing that we want to do here. And then that uh, another resource is that financial, um, believe it or not, uh, financially, the city we're in a good we're in a good position, but we know as most communities um, across the nation, there are financial challenges lurking, um, and we have to make sure that we grow our tax base uh, to to be able to keep up. I think many people have gone to the grocery store, and you know when eggs be became six dollars, you're like, what happened, right? Well, as a city, we're also feeling those impacts. 
Um, lumber isn't the same cost anymore. When we go and fix the roads, they're very, very expensive. And so as we're um, seeing those costs and even to things that really do matter to lay folks uh, in our community, making sure that um, there are uh, what I call it Maslow hierarchy of needs are met. And those are some of the things that the city uh, would like to continue to invest in. And personally, I think that there can be some opportunities where we can make a greater investment. Um, but we're going to have to make sure that we grow that tax base um, to keep up with our changing cost. And then when we looked at the strategic plan, we wanted to say, we wanted to say, well, what are other ways that we're aligning with the strategic plan? So when the COVID happened in uh, 2020, there was a group that came together really quickly. It was called Better Together. Um, and there was a bunch of folks around the table. Um, you had uh, the shelter, you, you had social service agencies that were sitting in the table with um, some folks that uh, really have some hands-on with certain communities um, that were seeing great impact. Um, and so these folks were sitting around the table um, making true change in an urgent crisis moment. And from that uh, was birth uh, uh, the Better Together 2030. And so there are some visions that we have, um, not only for the city of Iowa City, but for Johnson County. And that was the key uh, pivotal point um, that we noticed with Better Together was, this was folks that some might say are competitors in a way, you know, um, business competitors, we, we, we have the same product, we're selling the same thing in a way. Uh, well, they, none of that mattered in that moment. They all brought their resources together to say, how can we make this work for this entire Johnson County community? And that's um, what Better Together is doing. Um, we also saw that we aligned with ECOG, um, and that's, um, which was great. Um, the individual department master and action plans, um, it is affordable housing. We have um, an action plan for that, which we're excited to continue to chip away, which the council will be uh, zoning in um, on affordable housing um, boldly. And you're going to see that in the coming months. I only have two more slides and then I'm done uh, so that you can get on with your meeting. I have no idea what time it is. Now I do. No, I don't. Mm -hmm. um, but um, so what's not in the strategic plan? There's a lot that's not in the strategic plan. But um, again, I really believe that 99% of what we um, do, it, it won't be reflected here. And the bulk of the time and the resources go to delivering um, basic service levels within our city. While they don't show up in the plan, um, they are extremely important. And if we don't deliver our core services in a way that aligns with our values, uh, nothing else in the strategic plan is going to be possible. Uh, we expect some unexpected challenges. Um, COVID happened. Remember how your lives changed <laughs> in, in a moment? You know, so we know that there's going to be some things that are going to be unexpected changes, but we're going to have to sometimes deal with those, but always diverting and keeping our strategic, strategic plan in mind. There's going to be some uh, timely opportunities that we're going to have to jump on. Um, we're, like, as I mentioned, we have this grant um, person coming on board. Um, I think you all know about grants. <laughs> you know, there's a deadline. There's a, um, you, you, you're scanning through your email, and all of a sudden it pops up, and it's doing two weeks. You know, we may have to shift a little bit of where we're thinking some of these priorities will come based on some of these uh, timely opportunities that, that come up. Um, and then lastly, I uh, wanted to just open up with any questions. This is kind of the logo that uh, in, a, in, a, in a glance, it kind of keeps me um, on target when I'm making some decisions from uh, the, the dais at the, at the council. Um, because really, this is an opportunity for us to think long term. We used to have our strategic plans one year at a time. We were going every year and talk about, 
You know, what do we want to focus on this year? And it's not that it wasn't great because a lot of the things remained the same. Um, but when you can kind of uh, do this deep dive and say this is what we want, there was, you know, communication and community involvement to really create this, then that's where we can really get a, the best bang for our buck at trying to really take some things through fruition because you can be easily diverted. Um, and so that's all I have. Any questions, I really appreciate you all allowing me to go through this with you all today. I have a comment. Can you hear? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> And I'm not sure that I can use the right terminology, but I think it was the 2022 report from the housing office. Um, there was a statement in there that for low-income folks, the, the median rent, I think, or maybe, it, I'm not sure, it was eight, is $800 a month. That's about what you can expect to spend. But um, there's a huge percentage of people who only get $700 a month from Social <clears throat> Security. And so I'm wondering, how do we make up for that? And does the city have a responsibility? And can there be public-private partnerships where the, where the private folks um, really understand the situation and um, can work out their own, their own avenues for helping out? So you bring up a, a concern that is, um, has many layers to it um, because most times we hear of people at the 30%, 60%, 90%, will um, be housing projects that is created for those individuals. Um, and, 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 and then they have certain rent brackets that they would kind of be within. And of course, we have Erica Kubli here. Brianna. Brianna, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm so used to Erica Kubli. <laughs> yes, um, who was who an expert at that. But I, I think, um, but your question is, how can the city really make sure that those needs are being met for those individuals that do have already below what some of the average uh, rents are? I don't know what the average rent is for um, I, what you're probably referring to oh. as maybe a, 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 a household of three or something like that. No, one. Um, I just know from my own experience that the least expensive place I can find that's really inhabitable um, and will pass inspections for the Section 8 folks um, is $800. Okay, that's a lot of money. Yeah. You know, I, I, my income is Social Security disability, and I'm telling you, that's a big chunk. I'm, <clears throat> I'm grateful that I received some help, help from the Section 8 program, but um, one of the issues is um, the city engaged with some developers to put up some projects and uh, in return for their, for, um, I don't know, tax incentives and whatever, that um, the workforce um, housing program came into effect and there were a certain number of units that they would need to rent to low income folks. And, you know, that's all good and well, but the, my experience is the rent with the workforce housing program is still $800. And that's the maximum rent. And, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to take a dig at my landlord because I'm not, certainly not doing that. But I think, I think it probably goes for, for all the others is that they're charging the maximum allowed by HUD not taking into consideration what the income might be. And so I don't know if the city has any ability to help regulate that or if that's just a function of the feds? Mm -hmm. So, so the, we're well aware, you're here at often, um, affordable to who? Um, well, that's my, always my thing is yeah. define affordable. Right, and, and that is something that the city um, finds challenging uh, when we have projects that either come before us because um, we do need some affordability on some level. Um, and certainly, you know, folks are within the guidelines when they, you know, state affordability. But we hear that all the time, and we know that affordable to who. What I will say is that the, when we go through this next um, affordability uh, process as a council, 
we're going to have to answer um, how do we ensure that it's affordable to make sure that we have that impact that I talked about. Well, there's an awful lot of people in Iowa City who live here um, for a number of reasons, but you know the university is here with healthcare and stuff, and that's important to a lot of people. Um, so they live they live here, but they um, okay. I had a senior moment, lost my train of thought. Um, oh, there's just an awful lot of people that this that this affects, and you know one of the things that I have noticed when I've talked with people who who are in a lower income bracket, and certainly I don't know everybody, is that you know they tend to not fill out the census forms mm -hmm. because they don't think it's, gonna, it's going to help them. And the census forms are what HUD uses when they establish the rent, rents for the various programs. And so you know, as a city, <clears throat> I don't know if the city can get it involved in helping people get the, their census filled out. But um, you know that would certainly be helpful in in helping, you know, to make things more affordable. Yep. You know the other thing is just like this commission um, has your lens on affordable housing on mm -hmm. on a lot of levels. Um, also the uh, PNZ commission, that's a topic that's coming up uh, for them right now, as well as within our CDBG, um, you know, program. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that always comes up and I think again as this council have these hard conversations um, we're gonna have to make sure that all this comes in the mix because we're gonna have to be in our statement we say we need to be bold and to ensure that we have the impact thank you and I would just ask that you know if you have any influence um, with other council members um, that you help them understand you know that affordable really isn't affordable to a lot of people here. Yes. You know, what we tend to think of as, as low as as low rent and, and affordable. So thank you. But thank you for your time and I'm sorry I took up so much here. Okay. Yes. Any other questions? Yes. I was trying to wait for everybody else, so I, I only have a um, couple. Um, the I think the city's made some great decisions with the ARPA money. Um, fabulous decisions um, even and there's like the decision um, to invest in the public facilities for free medical clinic and neighborhood uh, neighborhood centers I think was the other one I think was, was great <coughs> and that's a one-time thing don't have to worry about it being ongoing but I also know that um, they invested in some projects at Shelter House uh, to address homelessness. They invested in mobile crisis, which is something that um, I think we all agree, um, long time coming, you know, to see that kind of investment, to be able to get the kind of program that we want. How does the city keep those going after the ARPA money is gone? Is, is that an issue and a challenge for the city to, to meet? And is that gonna be addressed through the strategic plan or yeah so a part of the the part a part of the rationale for using ARPA funds um, was to make sure that we do some once-in-a-lifetime impacts that we otherwise as a municipality have not been able to do um, and so you're we're trying to get them I don't want to say the most bang for our buck because I think that can be offensive to someone that wasn't you know, awarded some funds, but we wanted to make sure that whatever we did, it it can set up for longevity, um, for um, maybe even setting up an entity uh, to have the ability to serve someone so that they can have the impact that they need. We know that if our, if we stay stagnant with some of the things like we haven't um, you know, raise our taxes, levy, levy. We have to do something. We have to change a little bit uh, within our community. Um, we have to have more income. And so there are several ways to do that. Uh, we can bring in, uh, allow more development. Uh, the city of Iowa City has been kind of, in comparison to others, maybe a little on the slower side at bringing on development. But when we bring in, 
development, that's funds towards our tax base um, that really do fund social services. And so even though the, 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 mo the majority of the programs that were funded, um, right now the city don't foresee funding that project unless it goes through the uh, continued funding, except unless it goes through the routine processes for funding through the city. Um, I think if we're going to get more opportunity, opportunities to do maybe some bold stuff, we're going to have to figure out something. We know that um, we're still awaiting for, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of the one terminology that the school district want to use um, to fund fourth graders. Um, but it's the tax that goes on our, we have to vote on it. I'm, I'm blanking on the terminology. Nobody's helping me. But anyway, <laughs> well, we've talked about it before. But nevertheless, um, I want to, I'm blanking on the terminology. But we're going to have to do something um, a little bold. It's on the radar. Yeah, it is on the, yep. Um, I think the other thing that I was thinking about is I love strategic plans. I mean, they are. I mean, if you don't have one, how do you know where you're going if you don't have a road, road map there? But they tend to bring out the big, bold, and beautiful, you know, fancy. <laughs> you know, we've got all these big <clears throat> steps. We're voting on them. We're, you know, it, um, displaying them. And I'm going to go take us back uh, to last year's commission where we met to talk about um, the policy, the vacation policy with, the, with um, those that receive Section 8 um, housing. And I was kind of surprised that the, I think there was a question asked about when the last time the bylaws were updated, and I think it had sure. been 2000. And I'm not trying to embarrass, and I'm not criticizing anybody. Sure. Only to say, I think you have to make sure that you, and I had to write this down so I didn't forget. Yes. Um, that we, take a look at obstacles we may have in our current policies and our current rules and that's low-hanging fruit yes easy to touch upon but it's also easy to forget mm -hmm. because I'm sure um, I think I, I mean I when <clears throat> I say I was surprised that the bylaws hadn't been reviewed in that long I, I imagine there's some other people surprised too you know that you know, you just, you don't realize how time flies by, you know, without doing this. But, but I think that if we look at 20 years ago, is your life the same? Is my life the same? Does a rule that you had when you were, you know, when I was like 20 years younger <clears throat> apply to me now? Probably not. So just encouraging, I think, um, because I do think that, that we, if we go in and look at, those types of policies, procedures, I hate to say it, but the bowels of the, yes. of the organization with the eye that we want to see what kind of obstacles, you know, we have inadvertently forgotten to update. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'll put it like that, I think that's a good idea. Yep. Um, also. Rihanna, would that fall under the auspices of this commission? Sort of. The Housing Authority's role with this commission, typically once a year, their annual action plan will come for approval. Most of what we do is CDBG and home-oriented, but occasionally things from the Housing Authority will come to this commission. But as we advise on policies and procedures, does what Becky was talking about, does that? That did. Yeah, normally in those circumstances, that I believe was a council request um, for HCDC feedback. So if council requested, I, then yes. I do remember that. It was, um, but not all will come before our eyes. Some of and, them will right. just be staff eyes, I and, think. And, and I think, I, I mean, your, your bigger point is um, that was eye-awakening, eye right? That yeah. um, something hadn't been reviewed. Um, what I would say is that um, we certainly do look at a lot of our policies and procedures um, I know. based on what that item that, we're, that is before us and we review that part. There is some overhauling that needs to be done. We know that when it comes to um, some of the things that we're doing with our comprehensive plan uh, for the city, and we're so we know that we're going to be moving. We've we made changes along the way, but when you're looking at the entire document, um, that's something that we do plan to do. But we're also moving into form-based codes 
which is just you know kind of changing a lot of what we'll be doing anyway. But your point is well taken, and I appreciate that. And we are aware um, that yeah. we're making changes, um, and sometimes we need to take that you know step back and just look at it. You know, look at everything comprehensively. But it's a lot of documents. Not to say that um, is not uh, something that we that we are doing. Um, depending on what's before us at that time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just to kind of feedback on what, um, go a little bit farther than what Carol was saying is, affordable housing, they're always moving the goal line, um, you know. It changes. I don't know where the goal line is, Nobody honestly. Does, because yeah. it move, we, we take it 10 steps forward and then they take 12 and we take 15 steps forward and it's 30 and mm -hmm. and that's you know so much of the problem that we have in but but the, I think the city does an outstanding job at addressing um, um, the issues I, w I wish more communities were like Iowa City great thank you I'll thank see. you yeah Any I'm just gonna say just one more thing one obstacle that people have with section 8 and I'm going to make sure like that we keep talk. our conversation to strategic plan. So bring in strategic okay. plan. This, this, yes. This, this strategic <laughs> plan, this involves people on being able to live in the house, um, is that um, the portion of the rent that they need to pay um, that the housing office doesn't pay sometimes is more than the guideline that the feds put out that they're able to pay. <clears throat> and that's a, that's a direct result of high rent in Iowa City. So, you know, where do people live? Anyway, I'm done. Yeah, no, I appreciate that comment, mm -hmm. yes. The other thing about climate action is, uh, uh, remember electric bikes are, um, I, I think somebody told me they're a third of the total bike sales in the country, if I have that right. I could, I could be wrong, I'm wrong often. But, and that kind of electric vehicle is much easier to attain and um, I, I'd love to see, you know, more push and incentives and things like that to get people on their bikes and electric or otherwise, so. Well, that's in our strategic plan. So how do we get that impact, right? So those are gonna come up. So it's exciting, yeah, to yes. see. And, and I'm really happy to see you have a grant writer. Um, yes. Yes. We're excited. <laughs> it's so needed. Yeah. yeah. They could get some more money for us, that'd be great too. Yeah. So and our staff has done really good. So I don't want to underestimate our current staff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But as we know, there's a lot of opportunities that are coming up um, from the feds and and so it, we just want to try if we can have one person kind of capturing some of those opportunities that otherwise we uh, may have limited staff time. Because our staff are human. <laughs> I, I was just wondering with the sort of the role of this commission, because I understand that our role is to advise on different policies and such. Are we in a position to any point like discuss or uh, come up with suggestions for, for possible policies that would address things in the strategic plan or <laughs> anything else like that? Mm -hmm. I, I will tell you absolutely if that's what you all plan, you know, want to put on your agenda, you know, discussion of this strategic plan. I pose the question to you, you know, <laughs> you know, what are some of the examples of how you can <coughs> carry out these values through this board and commission, certainly you can have that discussion amongst yourselves. I know that, that uh, we can spend a lot of time, you know, talking about that. And so that's something that I continue to pose to you all to consider. Any other questions? Yeah, yes? I have a question. Um, one, so I work at the university and engage with students a lot. So one population that I, um, am concerned maybe falls through the cracks sometimes are the students when it comes to you know like their housing issues and they're here for such a short period of time there's so, so much turnover <clears> that <throat> I think a lot of times they deal with difficult and like predatory kind of practices and just sort of like swallow it because you know again they're only here for a short period of time so I'm just wondering if there's any discussion or if there has been any discussion in the strategic plan about um, connecting with that group in particular and engaging, um, like when we talk about engaging the public, if we're also considering, you know, students who are here temporarily, but 
you know, are important members of our community. So. Yes, so um, the University of Iowa students have a student government, mm -hmm. um, and so they come to our uh, work sessions every, the council work sessions every um, first and third Tuesdays of the month. Oh, cool. And so they sit there and they definitely engage in conversation with the council, and so they have been very vocal of what their needs are and challenges with landlords uh, throughout the community. Um, once a year, um, we did it again this year. Um, I think we had stopped because of COVID <laughs> for a few years, but we would go over to um, the university as a body, uh, all of council, and discuss anything that they will want to talk to us about from their perspective, the student perspective. And that was always at the top of the list. Awesome. Yep. Cool. Anything else? Well, I, again, I really appreciate all the work that you all do. Um, I know that it's no easy task, but um, we really appreciate you all taking the deep dive and the work that you're doing. Just continue on and just remember this document, the strategic plan when you're making some of your decisions. Thanks again. And, and, and I'm going to excuse myself from your meeting so that you can do your business now. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for your time. Thank you. Um, up next in our agenda is agenda item number three, the consideration of the meeting minutes for March 30th. 23. Are there any edits or corrections to those minutes? If not, then may I have a motion to approve the March 30th of 2023 HCDC minutes? So moved. Second. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion carried. Uh, agenda item number four, uh, public comment for items not on the agenda. We have no public. Nothing Why does meetings have been to? Online. Yeah, this is oh. unusual. No, nobody was registered online this time either, so okay. quite a difference from our last meeting. Um, moving to agenda item number five, uh, review and consider recommendation for city council on approval of the uh, fiscal year 24 annual action plan. Um, I have a brief overview of this plan. I won't read you the entire thing, but since we have a lot of new commissioners, I will kind of give you the brief overview, and then if you have questions as we're going through it, let me know. Um, our action plan is a section of our consolidated plan. You're inundated with plans tonight. Our consolidated plan is our five-year plan that we have to do for HUD. Um, so the action plan, the consolidated plan, and then our CAPER are all HUD-required documents. Um, the public comment for this plan opened on April 1st. We do a 30-day public comment period before it goes to City Council for approval on May 2nd. Uh, the public can review, they can make any comments. We include those in our plan and we include like a staff response to anything that might require a response. We haven't received any comments to date. Uh, the HCDC budget that you voted on to recommend to Council at the last meeting is included in Appendix B. Um, one thing I thought might be useful would be to talk about how this action plan is different from other city plans. Part of that, like I mentioned, this is a HUD requirement, so they have very specific questions they want us to answer. They have a very specific format. Everything has to be fed into the federal database. It's called IDIS, so it's a very specific document. Um, we don't have as much flexibility to do different things like they can do with the strategic plan. So. Um, it's a federally required document and they get to decide what questions and information should be included in it. Um, the format is a little bit different, but a lot of the common threads through this plan um, you'll see in other city plans as well. Affordable housing is a huge issue. You'll see that through um, the strategic plan. Uh, part of this plan also in our appendix, we included the 2022 update to the city's affordable housing action plan. Um, let's see. The main focus of this plan is CDBG and home funded activities. So something that people can get confused with sometimes is, you know, why don't we talk about emerging data agencies or why don't we focus more on other, the city's just doing a lot of things locally, but the focus of this plan is HUD wants to know what we're going to do with their federal dollars. Um, so that's kind of what 
this plan rotates around, not to say that there's not a lot of other really great, awesome things happening um, in different departments or with local funding sources, but they want to know what our plan is for the next year with their federal dollars. Um, we try to include little things where we can, where we talk about local initiatives or like the mayor was saying, ARPA funds. Um, that's definitely been a hot topic in the last year or so. Um, but the ARPA funds were issued by the Treasury, so they have separate reporting requirements. It's not necessarily reported through these specific documents through HUD. We did receive some home ARP funds, and those are federal funds that we received from HUD, um, and those were allocated through our FY22 action plan. And you'll see those, we'll report on those through our CAPER reports, which say what we did in the year, report our accomplishments through that. Um, so HCDC has already voted on the budget recommendations, but we ask for a recommendation to council to approve the entire plan. So that's what we would be asking for you tonight. Uh, and then the last note I have on this plan is I just wanted to highlight the cover photo because it's hard to see there, but that was a housing fellowship project. They acquired this home through uh, home funds in FY23, uh, and this will be rental housing here in Iowa City. If you have any questions about the plan, I'm happy to answer them. Um, I wrote some notes down. Um, and of course, I put page numbers on everyone, but the one I want to ask right now. And I think it had, uh, under the city strategies, the third bullet, the question I had is how do we achieve this goal? And I think it had to do with um, maximizing the impact that agencies have um, possibly working. I mean, how, how, how can we achieve, um, you, know, you know what, let me find that one, but I'll, I'll go to a different one. Um, okay. Uh, one of the questions I have is GRIP. What are, what are GRIP funds? Yeah, GRIP is a locally funded rehab program. So with our city rehab program, we use home funds, there are certain budget line items that are set aside every year. So $90,000 of home funds is set aside for homeowner rental rehab. We also use a portion of our CDBG funds. So $235,000 of CDBG is set aside by council every year to do um, rehab here in Iowa City. And then we also have some local dollars allocated towards the GRIP program. Uh, we have a rehab specialist, Liz Osborne, in our office would be able to speak more to the differences in each program. Um, but having the different funding sources definitely helps depending on a homeowner's eligibility. So we're able to find a good fit between the funding sources. So that's a locally funded program to answer your question. What does GRIP stand for? Um, General Rehab Improvement Program, I think. So it's for low income yes. folks. So uh, how do low income people access that? Uh, we have all of our applications online, um, or they can contact our office and we can give them a hard copy. I believe we offer them in multiple languages, um, so people can come into our office or access those online. How would they even know about them? Um, it depends. We do a lot of flyers. We advertise uh, downstairs in the Housing Authority. Our offices are located in with the Housing Authority, so we can do flyers and different things like that. So that's interesting because um, it kind of, uh, I'm trying to get all my thoughts um, together on, on how to put this question. So that kind of program, and there are some other kinds of programs that we've seen, some agencies requesting funds for similar types of mm -hmm. things. And one of the concerns that I have, um, I call it Christmas um, charity fatigue where you've got multiple groups doing multiple toy drives and everybody's collecting stuffed teddy bears and so kids get five different stuffed teddy mm -hmm. bears from one organization rather than working together maybe pulling the money and buying them something else so how I mean I, I guess let me just say I'd like to see us to try to be able to identify where alliances and collaborations and partnerships mm -hmm. could kind of be pushed, you know, urged, merged together. And I'd like to see us uh, do some of that kind of thing. Because frankly, I think we, there's, um, in, in one organization, I know that the number of annual services they provide, 
honestly i was thinking you know hiring an uber driver to provide transportation would have been a cheaper alternative you know so and i'm not being i'm not being disrespectful but you know sometimes we end up spending a lot of administrative money on you know a low impact but if we try to collaborate and bring together you know and i'm wondering if so if the city's doing something like grip and there are a couple of other programs doing you know similar kinds of things why all of them aren't working together we do all those programs do I can't vouch for every area of programs like that, but with rehab specifically, they do work really well with other agencies. Like for example, Johnson County, I think they used, I could be saying this wrong, but I think it was ARPA to fund um, a rehab program. So they were able to get in touch with the city and no one in Iowa City is gonna be eligible for their program. So their program is gonna cover the gap of the county there. Or for example, another one we work with would be Habitat. They have some yes. similar rehab programs, but where they can't meet maybe our federal requirements, maybe Habitat is able to do that, or occasionally HACAP has different programs, maybe they can you know, fill a need that the federal funds can't. So those partnerships are super helpful um, when we're seeing applicants that maybe don't meet the threshold for the federal requirements. We just have more you know, legal obligations and other sources of funding. So that is one instance where it is really nice to see the different agencies working together. I think that's really great. Um, uh, one area that um, uh, no, I think I yeah I think I covered that um, a little bit um, in my questions to Bruce. It was about the ARPA money, so I think that's it. Okay. Questions. Any other questions? Is everybody tired of city planning documents? Mm -hmm. I didn't read through all the appendixes, but. <laughs> most of the appendix, I didn't think to tell you when I was on the phone with you earlier, I was like, oh, I should have told her most of this document is the affordable housing plan. I, I think she's read already. I get yeah. through this. I was thinking, yeah. Uh, it was, actually it was quite interesting and to have the quiet time to be able to sit and read it, that, you know, it, it's a good synopsis of what we're doing. Yeah. So it was kind of nice to see it. To what Mayor Teague was saying too, we're also approaching a point where we're gonna need to start the process for our next five-year plan. And I think that's gonna be really interesting because that is such a effort to get community feedback through all different sources. So thinking of what life was like in 2019 when we started this last process and everything that has happened in the last several years. So I think it's gonna look really different and I'm interested to see what that brings. Um, but we'll start working on that soon. The city usually hires a consultant to help us with that just because it is such an undertaking to get that amount of public feedback. So that'll be on the horizon in the next year as well. Any other questions? Great job. Yeah. Thank you. We'd be looking for a recommendation to council. Um, now that we've uh, seen the draft and heard about it, may I have a motion to recommend the FY24 annual action plan uh, to City Council? So moved. Second. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion carried. Thanks. Uh, agenda item number six, staff and commission updates. Are there any updates from uh, staff or commissioners? I'll just remind um, that we have, I sent an email that we have our, a reminder, we have our first um, AI, um, aid to agencies um, subcommittee, May 1 at 2 o'clock. Don't show up May 2nd at 1 o'clock. May 1 at <laughs> 2 o'clock. And I'll send an agenda out next week and have a report next month, Caleb. Awesome. I just had one uh, quick update on the 11th. Um, I went to accept that proclamation on our behalf, and so that all went well, and uh, Mayor Teague was uh, super, kind of like how he was tonight, he was super appreciative of uh, the efforts that everyone puts in, so I just kind of wanted to share and extend that. Yeah, that video's on YouTube if anyone wants to go watch it, and Caleb gave a very nice shout out to his fellow commissioner, so you should definitely check it out. I have just a couple updates, unless there's... <laughs> I'll just have to excuse some of the flaws. I had like two hours of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so, which YouTube channel? The channel four? Yep. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, 
I have a question um, that this reminds me of. Is, uh, last year we made a point of having somebody watch or go to mm -hmm. the commission meetings. Is that not something we need to do anymore? Honestly, that was a commission-generated idea. It was never anything that staff required of you. It's kind of one of those things, if you're interested in doing that and you want to bring it to the group, you can definitely give updates. We, if there's something going on that's super housing-related or relevant to the commission, staff will always bring that to you. But and The next one there is, though, right? Would they, they will be reviewing our recommendations for yes. funding for... May 2nd. Legacy agencies, emerging agencies, and mm -hmm. the home funds and public facilities, the four... Yep. Okay. Yeah, we take all of the all of that information with our annual action plan and do it at the same meeting. So that will be the May second meeting. What's the date of that? May second, mm -hmm. six thirty, is it? I think it's six now. Easy to log on to watch them um, if that's what you want to do. Okay, May second. At what time? Six o'clock. I have just a couple other updates. If anyone else. Um, there's three terms ending in June. So, Kieran, you filled a term that was expiring. So, if you wanna, if we haven't scared you away, please reapply online. Um, the application's good for one year. So, Kieran, Nasser, and Kyle both have terms expire. All have terms expiring in June. Um, so, if they want to reapply, we can do that online. Um, the FY24 budget, we just covered that. That's going to council on May 2nd. April is for housing month. That's worth mentioning. There was a press release that went out by the Office of Equity and Human Rights. They do some different things every year, like they'll put some information on a person's fair housing rights. They'll do a insert in all the utility bills and mail it out to different people in Iowa City. Um, there's also a video training online about fair housing that's available anytime. And then they're doing a film screening and panel discussion, a matter of place documentary, the film that shines a light on housing discrimination. Um, and that is sponsored by Johnson County Affordable Housing Coalition and Iowa Legal Aid. That will be Wednesday, April 26th on Zoom. And you can register online if you're interested in participating in any of that. Um, next meeting for HCDC will be May 18th. And how do we, how do we get mm -hmm. the link to go to that place to sign up? I can email it to you. It's posted online too, but it's probably easiest if I just send it to you. I get a lot of things. I'd yeah. like it too. My email. Okay, yeah. I'll include that in my follow-up. I signed up for that too. I think it sounds interesting. Thank you. Um, and then my last update is just that you guys will get a break from all the funding rounds the next several meetings, so you can relax and enjoy um, thinking about some different topics, and we'll have some different agenda items. Then it's been a lot of funding rounds back to back lately, so we definitely appreciate your effort reading all that material. I know it's a lot of work, so um, just thanks for the work you do. Now That's I all for me. Time to read the now that you have time. <laughs> <laughs> I struggle with getting it done in the winter time, so. Yeah, it's hard. That's all for me. And then uh, agenda item number seven, adjournment. May I have a motion to adjourn? So moved. Second. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Mm -hmm. Adjourned.